Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. That's Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father God, we pray that this morning we would be considering our Redeemer, that we would consider ourselves before him, and that we would understand just how amazing the truth of the gospel is for us. And Father, we pray that as we consider this this morning, that you might help us to respond to you with love and gratitude. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you sit down, it'd be great to pick up your Bibles again and turn back to Luke chapter 7. And then this morning, as we look at this passage, I want us to be thinking about ourselves And I don't know about you, but I find thinking about myself something which is normally a bit harder for me to do. I'm very good at thinking about other people. I don't know about you, one of the things I really like doing is sitting watching people. In the Sheffield Uni, I've got in their union building, there's a great place you can sit because you can look down and watch people below you. So they can't see you watching them, but you can watch them walking in and out. And as they do that, you can make all sorts of different judgments and conclusions about them. You can see how posh they are or not, and you can think about that in your mind. Uh, You can wonder what social status maybe they've got, uh, whether they had a shower that morning or or not. 
Now I can make all sorts of conclusions as I sit there looking at other people and yet when I come to think about myself I don't find it quite so easy. And maybe as you watch people as well you can watch the odd and the strange that they do. Uh, I remember a, a few weeks ago uh, sitting in my favourite spot watching a guy who was obviously uh, doing a, a circuit round. He was just walking round in circles and every kind of two minutes he appeared again back underneath and you thought, well, what's he doing? At other times you can see people doing things which are just frankly a bit embarrassing and you don't quite know where to look. Um, and maybe you've had the experience of watching people do something which is just scandalous. Well, that was the experience of the Pharisee Simon as he threw this dinner party for Jesus. Now, in the midst of this uh, dinner party, very respectable, walks this notorious woman that we heard read about. Uh, She was a woman that everybody knew about. Everybody knew that she was a sinner. Now, we don't know what everybody knew about her, but they knew that she was a sinner. I don't know what she had done, but people knew about it. And what her many sins were doesn't really matter. The fact is that she did have many sins. And that's what Jesus says in verse 47. It's interesting actually as she walks in to notice that people do make the right conclusion about her. She was a sinner. She was notorious. And she walks into this dinner party. I was trying to think this week what kind of person walking in here may elicit the same kind of emotion that Simon felt as this woman came in. I don't know if this works, but imagine a child killer walking in here this morning, just released from prison, and walking to the front with you and kneeling down for communion later at this rail. How would you feel? Or maybe imagine Michael Adabalajo, the man who killed Private Lee Rigby, walking in here this morning and kneeling down next to you here. How would you feel? I think we start to get a little bit of a feeling of what the Pharisee felt as this woman walked in. Or maybe it's just a little bit more mundane example. I read this week of a woman explaining her experience of coming to church and how she felt about that for the first time. This is how she describes herself. She says, I was an unwed single mum raising a baby on about $6 an hour and no support of any kind. I wondered if all the perfect people would be able to see past my missing wedding ring and the beautiful girl on my hip. You see, what this woman thought, we don't really know, but she came into this meal and she must have known that everybody would have been thinking about her and they knew what she was like. And when she comes into the meal, did you know she doesn't just slip into the back and hope nobody nobody sees her. Now she comes prepared with this alabaster jar of perfume and verse 38, she stood behind him, Jesus, at his feet weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Quite shocking. Here is this sinful woman touching Jesus and letting her tears drip onto his feet letting her hair down and then bending over to wipe his feet with her hair. Bending over to his feet, which would have been sticking out behind him as he reclined at the table and kissing them, pouring perfume onto them. 
It really is a a shocking scene. And that shock is not lost on the Pharisee, the host. And we see what he's thinking in verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And he's shocked to think that Jesus could allow this to happen to him. I guess many of us here watch uh, Downton Abbey. I don't know whether if you remember in one of the series where uh, Mrs. Crawley, one of the respectable ladies in the village, employs an ex-prostitute to come and work in her house. As she does that, the existing cook leaves because of the shame and the taint that might come to her from being in the same house. Carson, the the butler at the big house, forbids anybody to go to the house because, again, they may be caught. They may be tainted with the same things. They may catch the same shame. You see, that's the attitude that Simon, the Pharisees, has is uh, Jesus is touched by this woman. He's going to become unclean, defiled by her. But did you notice that Simon's reasoning actually goes further? You see, for Simon, it would be axiomatic that no respectable man would allow this kind of woman to touch him. It would have been shameful. For Simon, that would have meant that you would become unclean. But Simon sees Jesus letting her do it. And so you get the impression he's concluding in his mind, Jesus doesn't know who she is. And the thinking goes on. If Jesus doesn't know who she is, then he certainly can't be a prophet. You see Simon's scepticism about Jesus growing. Scar's starting to conclude that Jesus isn't really that special after all. And he's just proved it before everybody in the room. And Jesus explodes that conclusion. You see, because Simon, Jesus knows exactly what is going on. He knows exactly who the woman is. You see in verse 47, as I've mentioned before, Jesus himself says she has many sins. Jesus knows that she is a sinner. Yet whereas Simon would have nothing to do with her, Jesus is willing to have something to do with her. Whereas Simon has nothing to offer her, we'll see that Jesus has everything to offer to her. And it fits into the picture we've been seeing of Jesus over these weeks. That Jesus is someone who associates with tax collectors and sinners. Now you see, in the, if you look just to the, the verse before our passage, in verse 34, you see what was said about the Son of Man. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was the accusation against Jesus. You see, we're to see that Jesus is a prophet who knows exactly what people are like. He could see what this woman's heart was like. He could see what Simon's heart was like. He could see what my heart and what your heart is like. And he came and he healed tax collectors and sinners. He came to call them to repentance. The tax collectors and the sinners, well, they're the ones who felt very keenly their need and so they accepted readily Whereas the uprights, who thought they were quite good, really, didn't. And if you've come to a church this morning and you think Jesus would never want to have anything to do with me, well, you're wrong. You see, Jesus comes to call people who feel their need 
to repentance. Jesus wants to welcome people as friends to deal with the sinful hearts of men and women. And he doesn't just put an arm around you when you have that feeling and and when you know your guilt and say they're there. He transforms it. He deals with the sickness of our sin. Well, while the woman continues at Jesus' feet, crying and weeping and wiping and kissing, Jesus then speaks to Simon in verse 40. It's interesting, he answers Simon, it says. Now, Simon's been thinking, who is Jesus? Now, Jesus answers him. Was Jesus the prophet? Well, they knew what Simon was thinking. And Jesus explodes Simon's conclusion and everything Simon thinks and what follows. And it's interesting as Jesus responds to Simon's accusation that Jesus doesn't defend himself. Rather, he explains the woman's actions. And as Jesus explains this, it becomes increasingly personal for Simon. Now just look at the the way Simon is described, the Pharisee. In verse 36, he is the Pharisee. In verse 39, again, he is the Pharisee. But as Jesus comes to answer him, he says in verse 40, Simon. You see the movement, he's a Pharisee, he's a Pharisee, but now it's Simon. Simon, I want you to think about this. And he tells Simon this parable in verse 41. Two men owed a certain money lender. Now it's interesting actually, in the, in the original it doesn't have it, the men there. It would just say two. You, you could uh, translate it as a creditor had two debtors. Interesting as you then read this story. You see in the, in the story there's Jesus and, and the sinful woman and Simon, the Pharisee. Now, in this dinner party, which many people would be invited to, only two others are named apart from Jesus. Simon and the sinful woman. I wonder who the two Jesus was referring to were. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Now, a denarii would be about the daily wage of a labourer. And so the, the amounts Jesus are talking about here, 500 denarii, would be about a year and a half's wages. Whereas the 50 would be about two months' wages. You know, so one debt is huge. But the other debt is by no means insignificant. And significantly, verse 42, neither of them had the money to pay him back. You know, the one with the large, enormous debt and also the one with the smaller debt, neither could pay him back. And so he cancelled the debts. Now which of them will love more, asks Jesus. It's quite easy to see, isn't it? Uh, The one who has the biggest debt cancelled or forgiven will love more. Which is what Simon says in verse 43. Uh, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And he was right. But the bombshell comes towards the end of the passage when Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven loves little. You see again, verse 47, she had many sins, and Jesus says her many sins have been forgiven. This sinful woman has had her many sins forgiven, and that explains why she's doing this. 
You see, her actions are a response to the fact that she has had her sins forgiven. It's not the other way around. She is not forgiven because of what she does. Her actions are the response to the forgiveness. Now you see that in the parable. The debt is forgiven and then who will love more? The debt's not forgiven because one of them or both of them have loved. The passage doesn't make sense the other way around. Her many sins are forgiven, therefore she loves much. Now we're not told when this sinful woman had her sins forgiven. Although as we've been reading through Luke, you'll have seen Jesus doing that time and again. It's saying to people, your sins are forgiving. It's saying that it's, he's come as a doctor to heal the sick, calling sinners to repentance. Do you remember last week we saw the paralyzed man? His friends had brought him to Jesus and it lowered him through the roof in front of Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Maybe this woman had friends who took her to Jesus. Or maybe she was in the the banquet with Levi, the tax collector, which he threw in chapter 5. We were told there there was many tax collectors and sinners. Maybe she was one of them. And maybe there she heard Jesus say, friend, your sins are forgiven. Or maybe she was like Peter. We read of Peter in chapter 5 as well. And Peter met Jesus. And as he met Jesus, he realized that he was sinful and unclean. And he said to Jesus, go away, I am sinful. To which Jesus responded, do not be afraid. You know, maybe this woman encountered Jesus. And as she did so, she became aware, as she probably was already, that she was a sinner. And said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful woman. And maybe then she heard Jesus saying the words, don't be afraid. Your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus had forgiven her many sins. If she could be right with God, her many sins were forgiven. We're not told when, but that's what Jesus has been doing all along. And you know, that is the message which we hear in the gospel. It's what we proclaim in the gospel, that you can have your sins forgiven. At the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus, after he has come back to life, arisen from the dead, says that now that that's happened, it is necessary that repentance for the forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name. And so read through Acts, and that's what you see the disciples and the apostles doing, proclaiming to people forgiveness of sins. And as the gospel has progressed all through the ages, that's what we hear as well. As that message of the gospel comes to us to say, you can have your sins forgiven. You can have peace with God. There is now hope for you in Jesus' name. You can have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And this woman, a sinner, heard that message and she is transformed. The woman had her sins forgiven And then forgiven sinners love much. And that's what you see with this woman. Those who have been forgiven much love much. The woman comes to this meal prepared to be able to say thank you to Jesus. To love him and to show the gratitude which she has in her heart. But then Jesus draws the contrast with Simon the Pharisee who loves little. Now, he has invited Jesus to the meal, but he doesn't do anything to make Jesus feel really special there. 
He's cordial and respectful to Jesus. But Jesus wants him to be taught by the woman. And so Jesus draws his attention to the woman. Jesus looks at the woman who is behind him, weeping and wiping and kissing his feet, and says to Simon, verse 44, Do you see this woman? I love that bit of the story. Do you see this woman, Simon? Simon's thinking, I haven't, I haven't taken my eyes off her since she came into the room. Who could miss her? Yet Simon hadn't really seen her. He's seen the shocking incident, but he's not seen why this woman has come and showing this extraordinary gratitude to Jesus. He's not really seen who Jesus is. You see, here's a woman expressing her gratitude for, and love for what Jesus has done. It's someone who is known to be a sinner and has been transformed by Jesus. It's Simon's not seen that. And so Jesus contrasts the love. Verse 44, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Now you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. You see, Simon didn't love. He didn't respond with great love like this transformed sinner. Now just to be clear, I don't think Simon is here trying to deliberately snub Jesus. No, he is respectful. He has invited Jesus to the meal. He, he calls Jesus teacher. And yet he, hasn't, he doesn't have the kind of love and devotion that this woman does. His response at best is cool. You see, the, whole, the point of the whole thing is quite clear. That Jesus is calling Simon to think about himself in this parable. Simon, he says, you might not have many sins, But remember, both men were debtors. Neither could pay back. This woman couldn't pay, Simon, but you can't pay now either, Simon. Simon, there's an opportunity for you to have your debt removed. Will you stop looking at this woman, Simon, and look at yourself? Think about yourself. Look at your own heart, Simon. You have many sins. You've got a debt which you can't pay and I'm willing to forgive it. You see, that's our problem, isn't it? We look at others and compare ourselves to others all the time. Now we think that we're not that bad in comparison to so-and-so. And to be honest, you might not have many sins like this woman had many sins. And yet you have a debt which you can't pay back. It took me a long time, I think, to realize the depth of sin in my own heart. I would hear people praying and confessing their sins and saying, I realize I'm a sinner and all the things I've done this week. And I would look at them and think, but you look quite good, respectable, moral, upright. It took me a very long time to realize that before God, I had rejected him as my king and my ruler. And it took me a long time to realize that. You see, I needed to look a little bit closer at my own heart and think about myself a little bit more closely to see that I too had a debt. 
You've probably heard the, the story with the, the Duke of Wellington before. Uh, the Duke of Wellington, it said, was attending a, a small village church, um, and on the day he visited, it was communion. And so as was the custom at that church, as it was um, in our church, was to, is to come forward and to kneel at the communion rail. And so uh, the Duke, who had just been honoured as a, a hero in the Battle of Waterloo, came forward and knelt down at the communion rail. And as he did that, from the other side of the building, a poor, ragged old man came and knelt down next to the Duke. And as he did that, one of the stewards immediately got up and came to the man and asked him to move a bit further away or just to wait till the Duke had finished. See, but the eagle eye and the quick ear of the commander didn't miss what was said. And he clamped his hand on the man's hand and wouldn't let him rise. And he said to them, don't move. We're all equal here. And she is exactly right, isn't it? The Duke of Wellington got it exactly right. He was a sinner like the other man. He had a debt just like the other man. He said, but we are so prone to look at others and not look inside ourselves. We look at others and make all sorts of conclusions about themselves when the conclusions we should be making are about ourselves. And rather than respond to Jesus with great love and gratitude, we respond to others with contempt. And our love and our gratitude won't, for Jesus won't come through trying harder to love him. It doesn't come from thinking, I must try to show gratitude to Jesus. It comes through appreciating how great the sin that you have in your heart is. And seeing that that sin is forgiven by the Lord Jesus. Appreciating that even though I am a great sinner, I have a great saviour. Recently someone said to me, as a a church and and as people like us, we're good at analysing but bad at appreciating. As he said that, immediately I could relate to what he means. I judge the quality of a sermon. I think, was it good or bad? Was it theologically sound or not? Was it entertaining? Were the jokes funny? Did it deal with the text well? I analyse all those things. In things which in and of themselves are not unimportant, but in analysing I don't appreciate the greatness of my saviour. As Don Carson has once said, he says, the love of God is not merely to be analysed, understood and adopted into holistic categories of theological thought. I'm not quite sure what holistic categories of theological thought are. I think I get his point. He says the love of God is to be absorbed, to be felt, to be received. You could say it's to be appreciated. And so he encourages us to meditate on the gospel long and frequently. Appreciate the gospel again. And in a moment we will come and kneel at this communion rail to take communion as the Duke of Wellington did. And as we do that, before we do that, we acknowledge that we are not worthy. We acknowledge that we are sinners. We pray a prayer called the prayer of humble access, which will say, I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs from under your table. I wonder whether you can truly mean those words. That you, though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. 
You, though you were estranged from God and an enemy in your mind, you can be forgiven and brought near. You can come even though you have nothing to offer and receive from God. You see, we don't come to this table with something to offer to God. We come again to receive what God has given for us. To remind ourselves of the gospel as we take the bread and the wine. And remembering what God has done in the Lord Jesus to save us and make us right before him. And we can come and we can appreciate the gospel once again. And then as we go, we then want to respond with gratitude and love. You see, this week, let's be those resolved to understand ourselves more. To appreciate more and more the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And in doing that, then we will respond with gratitude and love to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that often we look at others and compare ourselves to them or think um, about them and make conclusions about them. Whereas often we don't think about ourselves. Father, help us to make right judgments and conclusions about ourselves. To understand that we had a debt that we could not pay and yet you have forgiven us in the Lord Jesus. Father, help us to be those who are appreciating more and more the wonder of the gospel for us. And help us to be those who respond with gratitude and love to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.